You already came out of the closet. I know. I, I got stuck in it again. How did you get stuck in it again? Well, you see, I heard that recording in a closet space is actually really good for um, sound quality because the clothes dampen, like, the echo and make it, like, sort of a tiny, like, soundproof, sweaty chamber. You should (laughs) make sure you space out the clothes properly so they don't get mildewy. (laughs) Because of the sweat? Because of the dampness. It's damp? Oh my god. No. (laughs) No, the clothes, like, dampen the sound. They don't make... uh... Guys, I'm recording... They aren't damp. I'm recording from my closet. I was cleaning, and I had this little desk, and I wanted to do something with it, because it's just a thing for Lucy to fuck with. And so I decided that I was going to drag it into my closet and make myself a little office space. So I now have um, a desk with the microphone attached to it, and I have my books, and I have a few little figurines. And I feel like I have a real tiny office. I also feel like I have an office, but that's because my bedroom doesn't have a bed. (laughs) Because you had to choose between having a couch and having a bed, and you already sleep on your couch all the time anyway. Easy-ist decision ever. (laughs) All right. Um, I have a question for you. Have you heard? Is... 2021 it is 2021 and we have finally finished breaking dawn i'm so excited burn this book (laughs) (laughs) i'm so excited to talk about these final chapters i got really emotional reading them yesterday if you follow us on twitter you saw me talking about it yesterday because i actually was like feeling some sadness for being done but i think that's because no matter what book series i'm reading anytime i like finish the final book i get really sad i normally get really sad but you're just so happy to be done with this I'm series. Just so fucking happy. We will be reading Midnight Sun, which you still do not have a copy of. And we do have to start reading it in like two weeks. Yes. Well, I mean, so, that's an easy that's that's an easy thing to solve. That is an easy thing to solve. I'm sure half price books is simply overflowing with them. Half price books. It's my favorite. Yeah, I actually, um, when I was cleaning up in here, I found, I don't know where it is. Oh, it's up there. I have this, like, reusable bag that I got from Half Price Books that has, like, dogs on it. And it just says, yeah, I'm Sarah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I had, I had a question I wanted to ask you. I was actually going to ask you what the question, because I thought you were going to ask me what the year was, but then I heard that it was phrased differently, but I was already answering it. No, um, I was going to ask you, have you heard about Stephanie Meyer's new series that she's working on? Uh, is this the one you told me about where it's set a few years down the line with, uh, Renesme and Jacob? Yes. Yeah. Do you know what that means? I can pretend I don't. <laughs> it means that whenever it comes out, we're going to have to fucking read it. <laughs> 
Like, we're obligated to. We have to do it. This is my moral obligation. That's a Patreon goal. We better get more followers. <laughs> we better get more subscribers and people donating to a Patreon. Because I need to be paid to return to Stephanie Meyer's work. <laughs> absolutely i'm so excited i got when i got my desk all set up i even brought over my maximum ride books and they are on the shelf just waiting to be cracked open i know we still have a whole nother book in the twilight series to read but like i'm so excited it's been so hard for me not to to read maximum ride just in anticipation of us reading it for the show why did i ever recommend reading midnight sun at the end (laughs) it's funny because i think that wasn't our original intention i think what we were gonna do was because if we had at the beginning we were pretty inconsistent with our upload schedule we've gotten a lot better about it since then but um i we when midnight sun came out we were supposed to be almost done with new moon yeah And so we were like, okay, so we'll read the first two books, then we'll read Midnight Sun, and then we will read Eclipse and Breaking Dawn. And we fully intended to be done with all of them by the end of 2020. We fucking suck. Yeah. Well, we had intended for um, every book to be five parts was our original intention. So ideally, each part would only take six weeks if we did five parts and then a roundup slash movie episode but then the roundup and the movies wound up just being so overlong because we still had so many thoughts to give that things just spiraled out of control breaking dawn alone is going to be 10 episodes fuck breaking dawn this book has really made me like hate this series as a whole i do you remember just like how pleasant it was to read eclipse like, yeah. the, the Jacob shit aside, like, him literally assaulting Bella aside, the rest of the of book. We actually had a lot of good things to say about the rest. Yeah, the rest of the book, it had action. It actually had a reasonable, like, suspenseful buildup. Um, Edward was a, just a sweetie pie the entire book. And then we got to Breaking Dawn, and I have just, like... I've just been so, I've been confused, I've been sad, I've been haunted by the things that I have read in this book. There, There's a part at the very end of this that, not the very end, but like very close to the very end where I, I swear I had to put the book down and walk away for a little bit when I read it because I was like, no, no thank you, no ma'am. There was so many times when I was reading this where I was incapable of processing how an adult woman wrote these words and thought, yes, this is an okay thing to say. And then multiple other people looked at it and said, yeah. There's nothing questionable or bad about these things being put into print. Are we going to be firing some people this episode? We're going to be firing so many fucking people. We didn't fire anyone at the end of Eclipse. We forgot to to force people to quit their jobs. That's because Eclipse was bad, but it wasn't this bad. I think it is the best 
of the series. Disturbingly enough. (laughs) I know. Like, as weird as it sounds, because I went into this fully saying that Eclipse was the worst. I hated Eclipse. Blah, blah, blah. But it all comes down to my young perception of the way that Jacob was written where I didn't see it as being realistic and I didn't understand how she could have done that to Jacob purely because she wanted to make Edward like the better romance option which is true she very clearly did just like purposefully want to make Edward better but she still somehow did Jacob dirty in a way that feels realistic looking back on it Jacob went nice guy Jake, Jacob did go nice guy. He went, I spent all of this time with you and I helped you and now you're just going to go back to him. And I can't blame him for being annoyed that she went back to Edward. But like, that's not how you handle it, bro. You don't just it's fall not... in love with her baby. It's... Oh, God. Okay, the baby. One of our very kind... <laughs> Someone who goes by the name <laughs> Steffi, I believe. I believe that's her name. Uh, pointed out that our obligatory Steffi shout out. In an interview, um, like she was put on the spot and asked how the sperm thing was supposed to work, and Smire was like, "It's venom. The venom impregnated her." So. This means that oral sex can get you pregnant in, van- <gasps> in Stephanie Meyer's no! universe. <laughs> and I can only imagine that this is the result of abstinence-only Mormon sex education. And Stephanie Meyer legitimately thinks that you can get pregnant from both oral intercourse and sexual intercourse and that semen is just another form of spit (laughs) that's disgusting so does that imply that when he ejaculates there is no sperm and it is just venom or is there sperm with venom in it i don't know but the other problem with this is wouldn't the venom have then started changing her oh you would think I mean, it is all sort of connected. I mean, there's a, we'll get to it, but later there's all, there's even more like weird sexism with the vampire hybrids. And just so we're clear, um, so I have a friend who is not me. Bella didn't have any experience. And Bella didn't know. I don't know. I, like, because Edward even said that Emmett and Jasper gave him advice as to how sex works. You might just assume it's... Exactly. So you might not know that, like, anything is actually physically coming out of you. I I don't know! I don't know! This is so disgusting! Why are we talking about this? I feel like we need to keep the important bits of this in. Yeah. And then literally just put, like, censorship bleeps in the cuts of the rest. <laughs> and then just leave this explanation at the end of it. Because yes. this is horrendous. This is awful. I'm just going to put beeps. 
if I can if I can figure out how to engineer that. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed all of those beeps and the horrible biology talk that we just had because I sure as fuck did not. Well, to be fair, they didn't hear most of the biology discussion. We just yeah. Had. Oh, you're lucky. You're lucky. You're really lucky. We're being way more selective with the things that we just leave in the show these days. <laughs> that was. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot. My poor that friend. That was like. My poor, poor friend. That was like. How a sex ed class should actually go in high school. <laughs> In terms of a level of question and detail. Well, yeah, because, I mean, I feel like you need to be able to, like, ask those weird-ass questions and, like, have clarification and stuff. Because sometimes you'll just, like, hear things. Like, oh, when this happens, you'll know because you'll feel it like this. But it's like, that's not enough clarification. I don't know what you mean. What are you talking about? And I want, if I was a sex ed teacher, I would hope that my students would just ask me all their weird questions. But see, we understand we're not a sexual education podcast, and so we're not going to put you all through that. Instead, we're just going to talk about chapter 34. So Bella returns home with Renaissance and shows Edward the locket she got for the little demon. Edward suspects Bella is hiding something and makes Bella leave the house with him despite her wanting to spar with Emmett. They try to go back to normal and even spend Christmas Day with Charlie and the pack. Edward gives reconnaissance an MP3 player, and Jacob gives her a bracelet slash promise ring. Ew. Uh, when they get back to the Cullen house, a fight is going on between Carlisle and Amun, who no longer wants to participate in this fight against the Volturi anymore. Alistair has left. Most of the vampires believe the Volturi will fight the Cullens no matter how clear it is they don't have any- they haven't broken any rules. The Romanians hope a fight will break out, of course- <laughs> Uh, the rest of the vampires either declare their loyalty or say they haven't made up their minds. Implying that if a fight breaks out, they'll just run away. I was expecting Ed to literally be forcing Bella out of the house to fuck. <laughs> nothing happened, and I was really confused. I think he was and just was... pissed at her because he knew that she was hiding something. And so he was like, no, we're leaving. It's like, he's like a dad at a party that they've been at for too long, and mom is saying goodbye for too long, and he's like, get your fucking coat! We're leaving! Except it's a lot more out of nowhere. Yeah, it didn't and really make any justified. sense. justified. I wish that they had actually had a conversation after that, instead of it just being like, they left, and then it's like, and then Christmas happened. Um... Bella being glad that she didn't have to have her mother around because Renee frankly couldn't handle all this shit is hilarious. She's literally like, I'm glad that Renee has her new life and doesn't give a shit about me anymore. It's, it's so weird because she talks about her so much here that she just keeps calling her Renee. Yes. Like, it's... I... The thing about her growing up almost exclusively with Renee is that it makes it make sense that she would call Charlie Charlie because she didn't live with him for most of her life. But the fact that she refers to her mom as Renee exclusively so fucking weird. odd. 
very odd. I can't imagine just walking up to my dad and being like, hello, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) Or calling my mom like, hey, Susan, how's it going? (laughs) Uh, Susan. Susan. (laughs) Um, That fucking promise ring. Oh. <laughs> that I that was the first time it, it only took a couple pages in this section where I was like no I'm done with this book I no. just want to stop because so it, bad it, and even she's like Edward didn't like that I'm like yeah I also would have a problem if an adult put a I will fucking marry you one day banned on my toddler. Yeah, absolutely. They just like every step of the way they take it like too far. They never just like leave it at like, oh, now he's around because he's bound to her by like this magic spell. It's always just like him making it known to everybody involved that he will one day be with Renesmee. It's like these these aren't necessary inclusions. These are things that Smire put in that in no way serve the story and just make it fucking creepier. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read Bella's thoughts that she had about Charlie while they were in the car with Jacob. Um, Because, you know, she has full plans to send Renesmee away with Jacob should things turn sour. Um, And so she's thinking about what she wants to say to Jacob. And she, she says... If it's ever safe again, take her to Charlie. Tell him the whole story someday. Tell him how I couldn't bear to leave him even when my human life was over. Tell him he was the best father. Tell him to pass my love on to Renee, all my hopes that she will be happy and well. He doesn't... So there's a lot here. First of all, yes. I'm so glad that she is like openly showing all this appreciation for Charlie because he's been there for her. He deserves it. You know, he acted like an ass in Eclipse. Um, But like, again, we're just kind of overlooking a lot of the the problems that happened in that book for the circumstances. Um, But he has been there for her and he's been understanding and now he's being there for her despite everything that's happened to her. And, um... The fact that her thoughts are to have Jacob take Renesmee to Charlie to talk to him and tell him and explain everything that's happened and then to have Charlie pass on the sentiments to Renee rather than saying like, oh, and then go find Renee and tell her all of this stuff for me is like, uh, I just like it's so telling about the relationship that she had with her mom and how terrible Renee is that she's like the only person who can be included in my life after becoming a vampire is Charlie. She even says that Charlie is strong and that Charlie would be strong enough for her to tell him goodbye on Christmas Day, but she doesn't want to go through with it. I just Renee just a dumb bitch though. Renee is just a dumb bitch. Absolutely. Um, so Bella, Edward, and Rubik's Cube go hunting, and while they're hunting, Bella thinks about the vampire abilities that do and don't work on her. She then realizes that Ronald Reagan's mind power works on her. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to come up with a new one every time. Uh, she then realizes that Ronald Reagan's mind power... (laughs) (laughs) 
that's Ronald Reagan <laughs> with his mind powers. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, her mind powers work on Bella, which makes her worry that Alex's ability will work too, since theoretically her shield has holes. And you know what? I'll just say, I get it. Like, I understand why that thought would, like, terrify her. I had already been trying to figure out how the fuck yeah. the ability um, worked on her. I hadn't, I, like... I hadn't really thought about it. I was just like, I don't know. I just, like, overlooked it because it's stupid. Um, <laughs> Edward thwarts her worries by saying he believes no one can keep Renesmee's thought out of their head, nor doubt their validity because her power is just that strong. Um, this gives Edward hope that Arrow will see the truth, but not necessarily that the truth will be enough to stop him. And Edward even says that from, like, the day that Renesmee first touched Bella's face, that he, like, was immediately thinking about that. About why it worked on her when nothing else did. And, uh, I just hadn't thought about it. Because I didn't, I guess I didn't see it the same way. As, like, the other abilities, because Renesmee's such a little freak. I did, and I was just like, that's weird. See, the th- my problem with it was I didn't expect it to be explained. Yeah, like, you just expected it to just be, like, overlooked and, like, it never happened, or, like, it didn't matter. Or, like, we didn't need I, an explanation. I think it's honestly worse that she acknowledged it and didn't give an actual explanation. I know. She's just like, Renesmee is so powerful that it works no matter what. It's like, just leave, fuck it, just leave the plot hole in if you're gonna do such a shit yeah, job. Just of... ignore it. Just pretend it doesn't exist. There's a plot hole in the book that I have been writing, and I've, I'm, I'm choosing to not address it. Then other people can ask me about it if they want. And I'll be like, yeah. You're yeah. right. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see it. It's right. Uh, yeah, it's right, here. it's right there. So, what's the explanation? Mm. Nope. The sperm is venom. <laughs> sperm is venom. <laughs> That's the end of chapter thirty-four. In chapter thirty-five, uh, Bella goes to her collect her documents. Um, absolutely stunning. The doorman whom she referred to with the French term for a doorman at a restaurant, and I was not willing to put forth the effort to write into this document. Mater D. Uh, yeah. That. Yep. Um, Matre D. Oh, shut the fuck up. We're Americans. We are Americans, goddammit. You say Mater D like the rest of us. Konnichiwa. <laughs> shut up. Um... But yeah, with her, she stuns him with her illustrious beauty. Uh, then, is his name Jenkins? Because I wrote Jenkins yeah. and I'm reading it now and I'm like... It's Jay Jenkins. And she refers okay. to him almost exclusively as Jay. Jay. Yeah, that's why I was like, wait, did I make up Jenkins? <laughs> uh, so Jenkins arrives and is equally stunned and also measurably calmer than he was when she first met him. <clears throat> And he provides Bella with Bella with the docks, and then gets kind of peeved because she doesn't look at them long enough. Yeah, like she would have any idea what a fake passport looks like. And then he makes sure that he she doesn't plan to kidnap her daughter away from Ed, because he's like that would be kind of 
I don't really want to help you kidnap her from her father. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, like, I, I get why he's upset, though, because the dude's practically an artist. Yeah. So he wants somebody to look at this and be like, damn, you even got the right font. With the correct bold italics. He's on practically this part of an the artist. Like he wants somebody to notice the details and the work he puts in, and she's over here just like, yeah, these are docs. Take some money. Yeah, she has no interest in like actually examining the documents because she's like, this seems right to me. Uh. Bella saying that she isn't used to being beautiful to anyone but Edward is fucking stupid because she and and I want to preface this by saying I have nothing against people who dress the way that Bella used to dress. However, she never used to dress in a conventionally attractive manner. She wore very simple and often conservative clothing, i.e. a fucking floor length khaki skirt and is currently dressed in a shimmering cocktail dress. So, of course, she's going to stand out more. And the thing is, she, by her reaction, she seems to enjoy yeah. being viewed as attractive. Because from her first interaction in the, uh, in the slum area, uh... To the guy calling her pretty. To now. She seems to enjoy it. Meaning that it was like some weird choice she was making to not put any effort into her appearance. Mm-hmm. Despite being capable of being attractive. And despite enjoying being viewed as attractive. Which isn't a problem. Like, if you like people seeing you. And being like, hey, you're pretty. That's cool. You're allowed to feel that way. But it's really fucking weird that if you like that, you don't make any attempt. (laughs) Do you know what this reminds me of? Is it her cardigan thing from the first movie? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Genesis 2.17. Bella. So are we saying she got sexy because she ateth of the tree? Uh-huh. She gave in to sin, and and sin is her having pride in her appearance. and As much of an a, a really extended like Mormon allegory as this series is, it really is playing into the idea that Edward and a life with Edward is the embodiment of temptation. That Bella gave in to temptation by being with him and by choosing this life, which Edward from the very beginning refers to as monstrous and damned. So if in theory all of that is true... Then, yeah, she ate of the Tree of Knowledge, a.k.a. she became a vampire, and she realized that she's hot and can be vain and enjoy the fact that people look at her. I like how 
half a year ago we were like we're gonna book in the series <laughs> with this quote <laughs> just pulled that in there <laughs> i you know it's just like i didn't even realize it until just now and uh thank god i put all of my twilight books on this desk in front of me so that i um could pull that out just now but yeah it like it totally makes sense like all of her revelations about sex like just wanting to fuck all the time because like adam and eve didn't even notice that they were naked until they ate from the tree of knowledge which is interesting because this whole allegory falls apart when you consider that it's supposed to not be tempting. <laughs> well, like, it's supposed to be, but, like, it's supposed to be portrayed as the bad thing to do when you give in to the temptation. Yeah. But no, this but doesn't seem bad. It doesn't seem bad. Well, it's not, like, actually bad. It's so interesting because Stephanie Meyer created an extended metaphor for this tree of knowledge and giving into temptation and being sinful and vain and gluttonous without, I think, actually meaning to. Because I don't think it's her, her uh, like, intention for us to be viewing it this way. But, like, that's definitely what it is. Right? That's, it's, it's, and it's not like a eighth grade English lit picking it apart. It's like, these are the specific parallels she drew through the choice of, or, uh, through her choice to include these excerpts from yes. other books and yes. religion in her work. So it's like, why would you draw these parallels without this intention? And if this was your intention, why would you undermine the parallels that you drew? Exactly. And of course, that allegory in the first book is more like the tree of knowledge is more referencing the idea of the actual knowledge of the existence of vampires because once again once bella knew about the vampires she could never walk away like her life was forever changed once that knowledge became apparent to her and there were several instances where she was able to acquire that knowledge with the opportunity to also just walk away without getting that knowledge i.e eve eating the fruit off of the tree but having every opportunity to not eat the fruit however you don't as an author get to choose necessarily when your metaphor ends as long as you continue writing so the metaphor continues as long as people continue interpreting it and that's the problem is that she has created this extended metaphor of the temptation of the tree of knowledge in like 30 different ways throughout this series. You set, you set yourself, you played yourself. Smire. You played yourself, Smire. You played yourself. Don't put a fucking Bible verse at the beginning of a book. If you don't want people to constantly talk about and pick apart why you included that Bible verse, including excerpts from things is one of the most dangerous things you can do. If you don't have the intention of it constantly being a motif. Don't do it. Don't do it. I see. I see you over there. I see I see you reaching for your Edgar Allan Poe collection. Don't, don't, no, bad. <laughs> I'm, I was, I, guys, behind the scenes, I was actually reaching for some shirts. They're damp. <laughs> They're um, <laughs> so Bella goes uh, and steals Alice and Jasper's money, um, and as well as a black backpack purse from their closet. And that's where she stashes the money and all the fake documents. And then a note 
that says Rio de Janeiro that she puts in the backpack, but also visualizes like Alice visualizing her. Yeah. Writing it. She like stood there for a minute and stared at the note, which Alice brings up later in a really dumb way, but I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. Um, But it's quite so. But she's just like, I'm going to think about Alice thinking about me, seeing me write this (laughs) note. I'm just like. Because she's hoping that Alice will see her make this choice and then go find Jacob and Renesme in Rio. But Alice doesn't figure that out. Anyway, continue. (laughs) So then she ends up just waiting with Ed and Carlisle for a few days in the field where all of Victoria's newborns got slaughtered. Um, And finally the snow begins to stick and all the witnesses gather (laughs) And it's time for the showdown. <laughs> uh, and Bella tells Reynolds Raff to run with Jake when the time comes and gives her the bug out bag. Yeah. Um, Reynolds Raff. <laughs> Reynolds Raff. All right. Uh, chapter 36. The Volturi arrive and Smyre spends sev. I skipped a lot of it because I was tired of reading it. She spends several pages just describing them walking into the clearing. And to when be I- fair, I skipped a lot of the stuff in these chapters, too, because it was just so irrelevant. Oh, yeah. So much of it. Just, like, her describing the setting and all of this stuff. She spends, like, eight paragraphs talking about how pissed she is in one of these chapters. Ugh. Yeah, there's a lot of skimming that happens when you get to the, the, the end of a Stephanie Meyer book. Um, there's like more than 40 vampires with them, making it obvious that they, uh, they really want to fight. Um, (laughs) Bella realizes that with this many vampires coming for them, Jacob and Ron Swanson won't be able to escape. Edward Bacon! Bacon! I I just want, I just, I, I'm just picturing Nick Offerman on the back of a giant (laughs) wolf. With bacon in his hands. Bacon in his hands, a little tiny backpack on. Um, Edward reads Caius and Arrow's minds and sees they intend to destroy most of the good guys and steal the ones with the best abilities with no intention of listening to anyone. The Volturi stop advancing when the wolves appear, the pack actually including the young children in their ranks this time around because they don't have a choice. Um... Carlisle talks to Arrow and Caius for a minute. There's some squabbling before Irina reveals Rubicon has indeed grown since she last saw her. Oh, this is a real crossing of the Rubicon right here. (laughs) Arrow calls Edward forward. And when Jane smiles, all evil, Bella is able to effortlessly extend her shield to everyone on her side of the field because she's mad as fuck at the Volturi for threatening them. I appreciate the Rubicon thing just because it's so fitting. <laughs> because crossing the Rubicon. Yeah. Is. Yeah. 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 So. You went deep with that, with that <laughs> nickname. <laughs> I did. Uh, so Arrow reads Edward's mind, which bothers Bella because Arrow gets to watch all the times they got down and dirty. She literally fucking says that. I mean, honestly, that would be on my mind too. It like, would. I'd be like, oh man, uh... they're going to see the times I pegged him crazy. 
After getting all the info, Arrow is like, yo, man, you're right. This isn't what we thought it was, but I do really want to meet the baby. They meet in the middle with Bella towing Emmett and Jacob along as bodyguards. Rotini touches Arrow's face and he's instantly charmed by her because of course he is. He briefly wonders whether the pack could be trained as guard dogs, which the woofers do not like, then turns back to talk to his brothers. Uh, My only note was, even Arrow is marrying this Sue. Because he looks at Bella and he's like, you look extraordinary. It's almost like you were designed to be a vampire. Actually, I was. Um, the the person who wrote me uh, wrote me to be a shitty person in the first book with the intention of making me a great person by the last book when I became a va- Wait. Oh. oh. Oh, this is supposed to be like a suspension of disbelief thing. <laughs> In a fantasy world? Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's, um... I, and it sucks. Because, like... I know that I'm saying a lot of the same things about Bella that people say about Captain Marvel. But I happen to really like Captain Marvel. But it's not just, like... They didn't just take a random, inept, normal, boring person in Carol Danvers... And make her into the most powerful person in the universe. They took someone who was daring and brave and compassionate and took chances and made her into someone who was incredibly powerful, but still all of those things. And so, like, when you take Bella, who doesn't do anything, have any interests, like, at all fit into a world filled with extraordinary people and then you just make her all of a sudden the best one that's ever existed it just doesn't feel real Uh, I like weathering heights Bella literally feels like a self insert OC into this bad fan fiction of Twilight Smire honey you didn't have to try this hard and like I don't mind feel better Because in the first chapter of the first book, Bella talks about how she always felt different. Like, she never felt like she belonged. And I didn't ever take that from, like, a really snotty approach. Like, I wasn't taking it as her being like, I'm not like other girls. I took it as her more feeling lonely and disconnected from the rest of the world. And so I have nothing against her saying at one point it felt like I was born to become a vampire because this is a life that is different that is you know separated from everything else that she feels more at home in than she ever did in her normal life that's fine but when you make her the fastest the strongest the prettiest the most graceful the most powerful vampire that anyone has ever seen all just because she didn't fit in when she was a human it just doesn't feel genuine and let me throw this out there. Um, obviously, Bella wanted to become a vampire. Yes. But if we changed the... Re- and she hunted down the explanations for what was going on in the people's lives around her. But ultimately, she did that out of curiosity regarding her romantic interests, mm-hmm. her friendships with those people, not out of an inherent interest in the mysteries. Yeah. If she was somebody who from the outset felt like she didn't fit in and was so intrigued by the mysteries and by things like the supernatural, then, and like was prone to getting herself into danger, not just danger 
happening to her. Yeah. Getting herself into danger trying to understand this side of the world and learn about these things. Then her becoming a vampire and feeling like she finally fit into a world would make a lot more sense yeah. and be completely acceptable because, okay, we just read three books of this woman trying to dig her way into this world. Yes. And I just remembered, as you were talking about that, in the first book, she had to, like, Google what a vampire was. Like, it's not like she ever really had any kind of interest in any of this stuff. And in fact, when she finds out about the werewolves, she doesn't have a reaction that someone who was at all interested in this stuff would have. She was terrified. She was literally, like, traumatized. Oh my god, she broke her vampire egg. What? (laughs) She cracked her vampire egg. Which means... You don't know the term egg cracking in reference to trans people? Oh, yes, I do. I just didn't understand the relevance to Bella. (laughs) Because, like, it's... You might, like, live your life knowing that this is a concept that exists in the world. You don't really know anything about it. And then suddenly you're introduced to it and it just starts, like... Completely shattering. Oh my god! Is Twilight a trans allegory? (laughs) I was legit thinking about like her thing with Charlie then and being like, like as a trans person, this is Charlie. The way Charlie responds to her becoming a vampire is like how you as a trans person want a parent to respond yeah. to you being trans. And the fact that like, she doesn't want to tell Renee because she doesn't think that Renee is strong. Oh my God. Emmy. It's, it was trans all along. <laughs> Guys, we cracked the case. Bella's going to turn into a Corvette. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so funny. Autobots I love- roll out. I love I, I love interpreting it this way because you know that Stephanie Meyer would fucking hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not what I meant. That's totally what she meant. That's what she meant, guys. Okay, now we're gonna start reinterpreting Harry Potter to be about a trans woman. <laughs> J.K. Rowling would like. I don't know about I Stephanie Mormons. Stephanie Mormon. <laughs> Stephanie Meyer is Mormon and they don't have great a great history with the Legibitas. Um, so I can only assume that she's not a huge fan of trans people, but she's never like outwardly spoken about it. J.K. Rowling would fucking hate for you to interpret Harry Potter to be about trans people. I mean, Harry does have an invisibility cloak for hiding his identity. That he then later has to discard. <laughs> Golden snitch is kind of like an egg. <laughs> and he's chasing that fucking egg the entire time. Okay, chapter 36. Continue. That that was that was the end. Oh wait, you finished. <laughs> I did. I was like, oh, fuck, did I, like, leave off? No, I finished it. Your turn. Chapter 37. 
Uh, so Caius is the violent voice amongst the Volturi, and he's making a show of finding ways to justify the murder of the entire Cullen family. So it's it's all really just a, an act that they're putting on yeah. for the observers, which I find very confusing in this setup. But they lose the immortal child argument, and it's very clear that their witnesses aren't buying that anymore. Yeah. Um, so then Caius tries to bring up the werewolf alliance because apparently Caius almost got murdered by a werewolf a long time ago. And he's really embarrassed by it. Yeah, and he had them, like, hunted to near extinction. Uh, but then it's just revealed that the werewolves in the book are shapeshifters and they're not actually wolves. Werewolves. Which, honestly, makes sense given actual werewolf mythos being yeah. traced back to deep Russian lore. Um, and the fact that these are a Native American tribe, it honestly, like, I I don't hate that. It's fine. Like, it no, makes I, sense. They just have a close spiritual bond with wolves. It's not actually them being werewolves because it has nothing to do with the moon or any of that. I will also say <clears throat> that this made me, I, I went back to thinking of the, like, the hierarchy and everything with this. Because they mention the fact that these werewolves, is it's a bloodline trait. Yeah. As opposed to an infection, like with the werewolves in Europe that Caius hates. Yeah. Um, and wolf packs don't have the whole alpha and omega thing. So that, that, that part's still bullshit. Yes. But the interesting part about the way that it is, we know that everyone... In with the werewolf trait is descendant from the same person. Yeah. And werewolf packs are formed of families. That's what they are. It's a family unit. Now, it's not a nebulous family unit yeah. like these packs, like this pack of wolves is, because it's extended to cousins and shit, and that's not how wolf packs work. Yeah. But it is interesting that it, in that sense, it's they're all related. Yeah. And that kind of works its way into how an yeah. actual pack works a little. They're all related, It'll... but extremely distantly. <laughs> like, there's, it's... Yeah, it's, it's... I was like, I can kind of twist it to make sense. Kind of. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah, they're shapeshifters. So they exhaust all of those options. So then Arrow decides to start questioning the witnesses um, because he shares that he's afraid about the indefinite future uh, that Ripley's Believe It or Not presents to their race. Um, so Amon flees with his wife once Arrow finishes questioning him. And Arrow continues on with his little, but can we trust that everything's going to be okay in the end? And this all leads to Garrett giving the most magnificent fucking speech. Or like, long protracted dialogue Smyre yeah. has ever written in this series. <clears throat> Uh, about freedom and trying, and he's like trying to win over the vulture. He's witnesses 
saying that they're basically comparing them to kings and queens that none of them have chosen for themselves. And I'm just like, God, why couldn't we have had like a book about Garrett instead? Yeah. He's you great. You wrote this so eloquently. This is great. I wish the whole book series was written as well as this one speech that Garrett he gives over like a page and a half. I feel like <laughs> what Garrett says is what Stephanie Meyer has been trying to convey about the nature of the Volturi from the beginning. But like she just realized that she never got the point across. So she decided to have someone just say it. Because it's true, the Volturi are using any means necessary to stay in power. And he he points out that they brought all of these witnesses today, knowing full well that people of the vampire world would be incensed to find out that there is an immortal child. And... Now that it, the immortal child isn't there, the Volturi needs is grasping at straws, trying to find a way just to kill the Cullens because they already did all of this. And if they have to leave now, then all of these witnesses know that they fucked up and they yeah, know like, they're going to kill you. Yeah. Like you're they're going to have you if you help them, they're going to have you kill us and fight us. And then they're going to kill you. And then they're going to turn on you and they're going to kill all of you, too. Yeah, because the Volturi cannot, cannot allow anyone to know what they have done. If it's wrong or if it, or if they leave, like, embarrassed, basically. And so if they don't have a concrete reason to kill the Cullens, even if their quote-unquote concrete reason is the fear of what's going to happen to Renezme, then... Everyone will know that they're just doing this as a power play, which they can't have because they have to seem like the quote unquote white hats of the vampire world. Caius got little dick energy. Caius does have small dick energy. He literally murders someone just to make a point and try to uh, fucking start a war, which doesn't work, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, so they uh, they pull Arena out, and they're like, hey, uh, we don't have any other options, so do you want to charge the Cullens with allying with wolf people that killed your mate, and then we can kill them? And she's like, no, I just had a problem with the immortal child, but I was wrong, so everything's cool. Yeah. Please go away. And then Kai's just like, cool, and you're on fire. Yeah. Die, bitch. He, so, yeah, she admits, they were like, so why were you spying on the Cullens? And she was like, I was mad because the they wouldn't stand against the wolves who killed my mate. Um, and then they're like, okay, so would you like to file a complaint? Basically, like, would you like to file a formal complaint against the Cullens? Because that's their last All stitch right, well, effort. You need to come... To Volterra. No. <laughs> um, you need to f- fill out Form 85C. No. Uh, it's the pink one, and you need to make sure you put it in the third bin from the top in the HR drop box. Yeah. And when she, she, and like, I will say she goes out boldly because they even say that she sticks out her chin and she's like, no. 
probably fully well knowing that they're going to kill her. But she's like, no, they haven't done anything wrong. And then they kill her. And a fight almost breaks out. Um, yep. They, uh, they have to stop uh, Kate and ta- Tanya. Tanya from going all rage mode on the Vulturi. But they do it. Um, so yeah, but the Vulturi, or Arrow turns to the witnesses the Vulturi brought. And he's like, hey guys, what do you think of all this? And some of them are like, so we have to either help you or you kill us. And Arrow's like, well, no, you can also leave. And they're like, okay, bye. Yeah. A few (laughs) of them leave immediately. And then as soon as like Caius, Arrow and Marcus like get into their little huddle, a bunch more just like start like leaving. But most of them still stay. (laughs) Most of them still stay. I, and Bella even makes the point of saying that they probably only stay because they know a fight is going to happen and they want to see who wins. So they know who is going to be hunting them. Yeah. Though, if the Cullens win, no one's going to be hunting them. I don't know if they know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, so the Volturi decide to discuss. Quote unquote discuss, which we know is just a fucking sham. Um, Um, While everyone says their goodbyes to one another. So Bella hands the baby over to Jacob. Like puts him, puts, puts little Rottenheimer on the back of Jacob. And, um, she clings on and Edward is like, looks at Jacob and he has this moment and he looks at him and he says, goodbye, Jacob, my brother, my son. It's disgusting specifically because... Both of those terms are in some way applicable. <laughs> and it's a toddler. And the only thing I can say to this is you can fit so much disgusting cringe in this baby. Oh my God. God, it's so, like, I truly do not understand how Edward can go from, like, eight months ago knowing that this guy wants to fuck his wife and will do anything to be able to fuck his wife to now he's like, I know you're in love with my baby and, like, my literal toddler child and that's okay with me. I don't get it. I don't see him being okay with that. Also, am extremely uncomfortable with the fact that everyone's like, so we're sending the toddler off with the grown man who's in love with it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's real cringe. But I don't I honestly don't know the rationale. Like I don't understand Bella's rationale. Why is she sending why is she sending Rudolph away with fucking Jacob? I don't understand. He do, he's not faster than the, the the vampires. Why is she not escaping with I can't think of another R word. <laughs> with Rigatoni. With Rigatoni. Why is why is she not running away or Edward because or cuz he's the fastest. Well, Edward can be tracked. That's 
true, but so Bella... can Jacob. No, because uh, apparently Dimitri's tracking abilities are um, supernatural. Okay. And it doesn't work on a werewolf. However, he has a very strong smell. Yeah, but... So, okay, like, a so normal they... tracker would be able to find him. But... So, that's the weird part to me, is you would think the smell would trip him off, tip him off, but they specifically said the werewolf smell didn't matter when they were dealing with Victoria. Well, they, like, they had Bella run off with Jacob it because they would... Because they, well, they had Bella run off with Jacob because they figured that the the werewolf smell would be so repulsive to the newborns that they wouldn't find Bella's smell within that smell. So it's not that the smell didn't matter. It's just that they were using that to mask Bella's scent because all of them had been smelling her clothes. I don't know how this plan's supposed to work. Bella really would have been the best option because... Dimitri shouldn't be able to track her, and, especially if they just killed Dimitri. Um, yeah. And it, it, it she's it immune really to all of their powers and stuff. Like, as far as we know, the only ones who can actually use their powers on Bella are Alice and Jasper. What it really comes down to is uh, Bella just wants to die. With yeah. Edward instead of taking care of her child. Yeah, she wants to stay with Edward. And like, you know. No. I'm not gonna No. She had a child. <laughs> I know. That's I, her obligation. I now. know. As someone who just doesn't <laughs> want to have children, like objectively speaking, thinking like, would I choose Brandon over a child? The answer is of course yes, but like I don't want to have children, so like I don't <laughs> wouldn't be able to make that choice like honestly and genuinely like if you gave me a random choice between my partner and just some random child i'd be like uh... yeah it would <laughs> suck because like the child is probably Sorry, at least a little kid. innocent but like i would choose my partner Sorry. Sorry kid. nothing personnel kid nothing personnel <laughs> Uh, Thirty-eight. So the Volturi guard begin to try to incapacitate the good guys, but are unsuccessful, which makes Jane big mad. Uh, big mad. Benjamin does some snow and earth stuff. Then the ancient vampires decide to vote. Um, Edward steps up to announce that Alice has arrived, bringing with her evidence that the Volturi would have to consider. The evidence she brought is a female vampire and a male hybrid. The lady is the sister of the hybrid's mother who died giving birth to him. He bit his aunt and turned her into a vampire. He grew rapidly for about seven years until he was quote unquote full grown. I'm guessing like 18 in human years. Uh, then stopped aging at all, remaining the same for the past century and a half. He says that female hybrids cannot make new vampires for some fucking reason. And that he has many sisters. After hearing this story, the Volturi leave and everyone celebrates. Bella even calls Ravioli Nessie. I can tell you the reason. Werewolves are allergic to vampire venom. It will kill them. In order for Nessie and Jacob to have a relationship later, Nessie needs to not be venomous. Yeah. And in order for Nessie to not be venomous, the easiest justification is hybrid females aren't venomous for some reason. 
But, like, what is she going to do? Is she going to bite him? Well, like, if it's that toxic, what if, like, kissing? I guess, yeah. I don't, I don't, we, we've discussed the kissing thing in the Venom before. It's very confusing. Yeah, because Bella and Edward have, like, made out viciously before. But, I mean, I but, guess if he even, but, like, so, like, that, that brings me back to the thought, like, what if Bella just had, like, a cut on her lip? When they kissed. I keep on trying. <laughs> Might, Might as well. As well <laughs> if you decide. Okay. Um, I don't, I can't keep having this conversation though. Like I can't no, keep just, just being like Stephanie Meyer, make it make sense. But no, I get, I understand that the motivation is entirely based around that something disgusting. Something disgusting. That when Nessie and Jacob make vicious love later in the night, later in the night, later in life. Well, I mean, she wants Nessie to be able to get a little rough with him and get a little bitey during. Do you think they're gonna the find out that Nessie can have a baby? I've I, I've honestly one that was one of my thoughts because if the venom is somehow related to sperm. Is there some kind of thing with that, with the females and reproduction? I don't know. I really. I, I don't, don't know. I like so I the the boy know. the boy hybrid. He started to say something to, that to me, I felt implied that the girl hybrids can have babies. They just can't make vampires. They just can't make vampires. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think so. I think that was the implication at one point. Looks fucking weird. Yeah. Um, so all of the tension and all of the conflict was wrapped up in about a page and a half. Yeah, they just uh, they just left, and the only person who died was Arena, which is like okay, obviously Arena fucked up, but at the same time, Arrow, in playing devil's advocate, made a really good point that uh, Arena would have no reason to have seen uh, Rasputin and assume that she wasn't an immortal child. Yeah, because that's all they knew to exist. Um, so she did technically the right thing in that case. Yeah. Like, there was no, it it was completely irrational. Um, and they were like, what, Caius was even like, why didn't you check? Like, why didn't you like do investigate further? Why would she? If they had an immortal child and were trying to keep it a secret, they would kill her if she investigated further. Yeah, so, like, no, she made the right decision, and then they just kill her. And it's like, okay, that was really unjustified, and there's never any justice done. Yeah. Literally, they're just like, okay, so we just straight up murdered a good character after straight up murdering another seemingly good character at the end of the previous book. And nobody is seeing justice done for this. And that's the end of the story. I am definitely more angry about the death of Brie than I am of Irina. But that's because Irina was presented as an antagonistic figure for so much of the story. 
because of what happened to Laurent. Um, but even she, like at the end, it's clear she doesn't hate them so much that she wants them to die yes. for what happened to to Laurent. So it's like. Yeah, her motivation was entirely based on the fact that there was an immortal child that she needed to alert the Volturi about. I mean, her own mother was murdered because she created an immortal child. So, like, why would she not take this completely seriously? Now we just, we're just letting the Volturi murder people that didn't really do anything wrong and nothing happens to them. And there's no fight. And Bella's great. Oh, yeah. So what what happens in Chapter 39, Emmy? Nothing. <laughs> they straight up retell the story to the of everything that happened to the hybrid and his aunt. And there's a lot of Mary suing and Bella being embarrassed about how great she is. Um, and Alice trying to explain away what happened with her leaving, which honestly Alice's logic in this situation makes complete and total sense. And it's only irritating because Alice has been so irritating for the past few books. But like, if she hadn't been, I would have been completely on her side because, yeah, this was the best way to do it without letting the vulture refined exactly out. what irritated me the most about everything that alice said was her being like oh by the way you're gonna have to tell me what rio de janeiro means at some point bitch obviously obviously she wanted you to go there and find jacob and renesme what the fuck is wrong with you oh my so, god so then bella and ed take nessie home and they try not to fuck while bella Opens her brain to Ed because she's figured out how to expand her shield out from her brain to envelop him too and let him hear her thoughts. So she just keeps, she has like memory slideshow of her own memories for him. She thinks about, at first she thinks about like all of the good times and stuff like that. And he's like oh my god, that's beautiful, and he kisses her, and she's like, I'm sorry, I can't do it if I'm distracted, and he's like, okay, okay, I'll be good. I won't kiss you. And then she thinks about them fucking, like, on her wedding night, and of course he kisses her. Like, what she's thinking about when they were fucking. Like, are you... (laughs) I just I was really disappointed to read this, because I've literally been thinking of using a similar thing, concept. Mm Mm-hmm in my story but now i'm like well now i don't want to do it just because of this <sighs> and that's the end of breaking dawn that's the end of all of that for nothing literally nothing they just left and they're like eh, they'll probably come back someday and it's not like it was for nothing and then you know a couple years later she released a new book this came out in 2008. Mm-hmm. It's been 13 years. And now she is working on another series to follow this up. But, like, for all intents and purposes, at 13 years later, um, th- this was just supposed to be the end. That The Vulturi were yeah. just slinking away into the shadows to return at some indefinite point in the future. None of the problems are solved. 
all of the bad guys are still there. Yeah. And I want to say, it's not just that it's been 13 years. There was never, like, it was never presented that there was going to be a book five. No. This was the end. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah. The next book in the series was always going to be Midnight Sun. You know, it it was never like she never was like, oh, there's going to be like a fifth book where we actually address what happened and stuff like that, because in her mind, it's all wrapped up in a neat little bow. And I hated I hated how they were putting on airs for this whole interaction between the Volturi and everyone else, because. Like, everyone involved had people on different sides who could either interpret when somebody was lying or literally read minds, which entirely undermines the whole, yeah like, putting up a front thing to the point that it just made it stupid. Because normally in a situation, you should be actually sitting there thinking, okay, maybe Arrow is actually the voice of reason and they're going to pull a reverse heel turn with him where he is actually the good guy. And Caius was the one that wanted to go out on this massacring crusade and Arrow has been misunderstood and we've made bad assumptions about him or he's just conniving. He absolutely is conniving. And he absolutely is. But like, we don't have, we, we don't get to wonder about that, and neither do any of the participants. Yeah. Nobody believes him. Yeah, like, it's funny because purpose. it's like, I feel like Arrow was the smartest person on the side of the Volturi because even if things went wrong, even if they left with their tail between their legs and, you know, every everyone was embarrassed by what had happened, the witnesses, if they're not as smart as the Cullen group are all going to say, like, well, yeah, Caius was acting like a fucking dickhead, but Arrow was listening. Arrow was being the good guy. He was on the side of, like, trying to be cautious, but, you know, he didn't want there to be any violence. And that... It's such a Dark Lord, like, mentality, where he clearly is setting up Caius to get slaughtered. By the rest of the vampires. Oh, absolutely. If it ever comes time for the Volturi to face justice while he gets. Oh, yeah. I mean, even when they were divvying up opponents when they thought there was going to be a fight, nobody said, like, specifically that they were going to kill Arrow or Marcus. It was just Tanya was like, I get Caius. I was like, yeah, I get it. Uh, He just burned your sister. That sucks. Uh, yeah, Edward and Caius. Yeah. And even the fact, like they even put on the, what gets me at the most about it is when they put on the fake council because they like go into their little triangle and pretend to deliberate. And Edward points out later that they're not actually deliberating. They're pretending to deliberate so that everybody else is distracted while Alec and Jane incapacitate them. But once again, witnesses on their side have powers that tell them when people are lying. And the Volturi have people that know what powers people exactly. have. Exactly. Oh, but then, and, or do they still? I don't know. 
But then Edward can read their minds. Yeah. Edward can read Arrow and Caius and Marcus's minds the entire time. So what's the point of the fake council if they could have just run at any point because they knew what was going on? I'm so annoyed. I'm so annoyed. Understand. Because Amy no grasp book. It's like the worst part is they even like act upset about it. They're like, oh my god, why isn't this working? And blah blah blah. As though, like, well, of course, that I the only thing I can understand is them being confused because they don't understand Bella's power. Because obviously, like, nobody does. Bella's the only one in this situation who actually know knows what's going on. And by the way, Stephanie Meyer spent, I think, a good three pages on, like, intermittently describing the way that Bella's power was working and how she care. and how she was, like, stretching and weaving the shield around everybody and peeling it back at moments and, like, trying to get it as tightly around the bodies of her allies as possible so that, you know, it wouldn't be super obvious or whatever. Didn't matter. It didn't matter. And I didn't care. She didn't. I'm actually all for, like, intricately describing magic when it's cool. Uh But, like, this was just stupid. It didn't serve any purpose. We don't even know how the magic works to begin with. We don't. Doesn't mean anything. It's overpowered. (laughs) It's silly. And I know I say overpowered when I previously talked about how much I love Captain Marvel. But, like, we, I feel like there has to be, like, we have to acknowledge that the vampire abilities in these books that have been described so far to this point have been, like, they're limited. They're not, it's not just, like, like, the fact that Benjamin exists is fucking insane to me. I was about to say, and also we have the fucking Avatar and the perfect shield. Yes. Just, like, absolutely insane. But that's the end. I got emotional finishing it because I was like, oh my god, it's all over. These characters are are gone. But now we have to finish reading Midnight Sun. We gotta watch the movie. We gotta read Midnight Sun. And then we'll watch Twilight again. No. Because we know Edward's perspective now. Nope. Oh, come on! It has... Read Maximum Ride. But it has eyes on fire. Eyes don't fire. I'll play you a lie. Yeah. I love that song. I love that It's song. such a good song. And that if we watch the movie, you'll get to see it happen in real time. Yeah, but I already have that song on one of my character soundtracks for my book. But Kristen and I get Stewart. To, uh, yeah, but she's like 17. A- Anna Kendrick. She was an adult. Oh. Let's say, how old is Anna Kendrick? She was an adult, legally speaking. You know who wasn't an adult? <laughs> the girl that Matt Gates bought an I was literally just ticket for, thinking of that. and had sex with, because <laughs> she was seventeen. Hi, I'm twenty five, and the idea of having sex with anyone under the age of twenty two is disgusting to me. <laughs> I literally had this conversation with my mom the other day where we were talking about somebody that we knew who was with somebody younger. And I was like, I don't think I could go below early 20s. Mm-mm. I don't like even if they were out of high school, if they were like 19. No, maybe in like a really weird circumstance. Like, I can't fathom why it would happen. No, no. <laughs> 
they like it's it's so dumb because it's like there's always that trope of like the older guy only gets with the younger girl because the younger girl is less experienced so she won't be able to point out all his red flags and uh rather be with somebody that has some emotional intelligence yeah and can point out my red flags and perhaps we can resolve them and grow. We can grow as people. Together. But I don't want to fuck a 17-year-old. I don't want to fuck a 21-year-old. In but fact, I only want to fuck a 26-year-old. It's me, the trans liberal, who wants to just sexually assault everybody. So you gotta, you gotta take away my rights. Everybody knows Emmy just yours. goes into bathrooms and just kicks open the stall doors and says, Show me your vagina! I definitely don't avoid going to the bathroom in public at all costs now and stick to family restrooms when I have to go, if at all possible, because the thought of going into any bathroom, male or female, in public absolutely terrifies me. Yeah. 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 That's the life. Follow us on Twitter at 2020TwilightPod. M is at M of many names. I am at Sarah S. Wilton. Shoot us a coffee over at ko-fi.com slash 2020TwilightPod. Um, next week, we are going to be watching the Breaking Dawn Part 2 movie. And the next week after that, we will be bringing you Episode 1 of Midnight Sun. Hopefully that one will only be five parts because it should, in theory, have the same number of chapters as Twilight had. So let us know uh, if you want to hear some really disgusting in-depth conversation regarding um, uh, sex stuff. uh, And we can send you the audio file that's cut from the beginning of this episode. Yeah, I'll save it. (laughs) Just for you. I'll save it just for me (laughs) and for anyone who wants it. I'm kidding. I will not be sending it to people because then they will hear the weird things I said about my friend. Friend. (laughs) My friend. Definitely not mom. I just realized there's an attic door in my closet, so I think I'm going to go open that and see what's in it. Ooh, I hope you don't get murdered. Bye. Bye.